you take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the Old Testament minor prophet of Amos. Amos. In Bible Hour, we had a bit of an introduction to him in his historical context, and we looked at the first oh, two chapters of this book. I don't want to spend a lot of time reviewing, but for the sake of all of us here that, are, that have missed out on Bible Hour this morning, let, let me take a few moments to put the book in context. We know of Amos as one of the Old Testament, quote-unquote, minor prophets. I always wondered why we had major prophets and minor prophets. Aren't they all just as important? And the answer is they're all just as important. Just a dif differentiation of how to distinguish them and really having to do with the length of the books. This morning, we're going to take time to actually read all of the prophecies of Amos. If we were to attempt to do that with one of the major prophets, such as Isaiah, we'd be here for a few hours. But with Amos, we can do that in one setting very easily. Amos is one of those prophets that is in some regards obscure. In some senses, perhaps, you've never even heard of Amos before besides as one of the books of the Bible. Who is he as a person? Where did he fit into history? So often we are chronologically minded people. We put everything in order. We have to have timelines. At least I am. And so it helps for me to see where Amos fits into the history of Israel. And we have here our timeline, and I don't know if you've been able to find Amos up there already, but he is there. If you find Uzziah in the middle, you go north of the, on the chart here, kingdom of Israel, and Amos is there just above Jeroboam II. Sometime he prophesied in the days of Jeroboam II of Israel and Uzziah, king of Judah. He comes after Jonah, and one of the reasons is, is that Jonah is known to be one who prophesied to Jeroboam that there would be prosperity in the land. And by the time Amos begins his prophecies, those have been fulfilled. Those prophecies have been fulfilled, and for the most part, the northern kingdom of Israel lives in relative luxury, affluence, prosperity. Along with affluence and prosperity, oftentimes comes with idleness. And in fact, <clears throat> can also then lead to wickedness. It's not intimately connected, but we do see repeatedly taught throughout the Bibles that they can be tied together. They don't have to be, but they can be, and they frequently do when men simply allow themselves to be given to the ease of life. In fact, when Ezekiel cited the sin of Sodom, we think of Sodom and Gomorrah as those greatest of wicked cities, and we think of them and we read accounts and Oftentimes, we might jump to the conclusion of the great abominations they committed. Indeed, they did commit great abominations. And Ezekiel noted that hundreds of years after their destruction. But before he dealt with their abominations, he spoke of the sin of Sodom as an abundance of bread and idleness and failing to strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They took that abundance of bread and idleness to commit 
great abominations. And to put ourselves in context of Amos, that was the case in Israel. Israel had horrific wickedness in their land. In the midst of prosperity, they had developed oppression of the poor, seems almost system, systematically oppressed of the poor. They had idolatry in its most grotesque forms. Sadly, you'll read and you'll find there's, in this book, you'll, you'll be confused as you read of the religion of these people and you might, you might think, well, it sounds almost as if they're speaking of worshiping Jehovah. And we know Jehovah to be the I am, the one true God. The problem and what was really going on is that the people were worshiping themselves and they were worshiping the idols of the people in the land and they were worshiping the golden calves that Jeroboam I had set up hundreds of years before and said, these be the gods that led you up out of the land of Egypt. Just like Aaron had done at Mount Sinai with a golden calf. They had taken the real, true, and genuine worship of Jehovah and degraded it to the pagan idolatry of the lands around them. Even worse, in the midst of these temples, these worship centers that they had set up throughout the kingdom, they had really set up next to them, I, I, I don't even know the proper word for them, but kind of like brothels, but in the midst of their, their worship of these pagan gods, they were filled with immorality that is unimaginable. Amos actually calls them out for some of it directly and explicitly. The horrors of their wickedness is unbelievable. But... They thought them to be spiritual people. They thought themselves to be spiritual people. They thought themselves to be worshipers of Jehovah. They had deceived themselves. Oh, they could see the wickedness in the lands and the nations around them. They could definitely identify their war crimes and other monstrosities that will cause your ears to tingle. But, oh, they couldn't see it to themselves. Amos is a prophet who came to Israel to reveal their wickedness, to thereby then proclaim judgment upon them. I'd like to read the entire letter. Because, really, that's just what it is. Amos is a sermon. The book itself is a sermon. It was really, I think, more than one sermon. It was a series of sermons that were preached to the nation of Israel. It's unclear exactly where they all took place. Some of them may have taken place in Samaria, the capital of Israel. At least a few of them definitely took place in Bethel. Bethel, you remember, was one of those places where Jeroboam I had established the golden calf, that one of those worship centers of the golden calves, and called it the Lord, called it Jehovah. 
will find a priest named Amaziah, not to be confused with the king Amaziah in Judah. There you see on the timeline at the beginning of this timeline. Not that Amaziah. Instead, this is an Amaziah who is a priest of Jehovah, but not the Jehovah you're thinking. The Jehovah that they had invented. The Jehovah that they had invented and created a golden calf to worship him. Amaziah is his priest. Amaziah is really close with King Jeroboam II. Now remember, this is not Jeroboam I, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin by, by forming and creating these worship centers a few hundred years before. This is his namesake, who now here is in this time period. He's mentioned, he's referred to, he's talked about. All the kingdoms around Israel are dealt with. God is going to call upon Israel, call upon Judah to repent, to plead with them. He's going to lay out before them their wickedness, their sin. He's going to lay out before them and present to them how he has worked with them thus far and how they have refused him. And he's going to go and describe how he is going to judge them, which you see where Amos is in the days of Jeroboam II. By 722 B.C., Amos is prophesying that captivity, that destruction that comes upon Israel, upon the entire northern kingdom and almost engulfed Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah if it were not for God's mercy and the petitions of Hezekiah. All these events have built up here. The wickedness, the perversion of society, the oppression of the poor, the self-righteousness of the people, the false worship. All of this is in context here with Amos. And Amos, not a trained preacher, just a country boy, just a man who was a herdsman, a man who gathered fruit, God called him and sent him to Israel to proclaim judgment. Now, knowing a bit of that history, let's read these prophecies. The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the habitations of the shepherds shall mourn, and the top of Carmel shall wither. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Haziel, which shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. I will break also the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from the plain of Evan, and him that holdeth the scepter from the house of Eden and the people of Syria shall go into captivity.'" 
unto Kerr, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. And I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof. And I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and him that holdeth the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will turn mine hand against Akron, and the remnants of the Philistines shall perish, saith the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyrus, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom and remembered not the brotherly covenant. But I will send a fire on the wall of Tyrus, which shall devour the palaces thereof. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he did pursue his brother with the sword and did cast off all pity, and his anger did tear perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire upon Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Basra. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have ripped up the women with child of Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. But I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour the palaces thereof, with shouting in the day of battle, with a tempest in the day of the whirlwind, and their king shall go into captivity. And he and his princes together saith, the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three trespasses of Moab and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom into lime. But I will send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the palaces of Kiroth, and Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. And I will cut off the judge from the midst thereof and will slay all the princes thereof with him, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments, and their lies caused them to err after the which their fathers have walked. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes that pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor and turn aside the way of the meek and a man and his father will go in unto the same made to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar and they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet, 
I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Also, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up of your sons for prophets and of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? But ye gave the Nazarites wine to drink, and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not! Behold, I am pressed under you as a cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not strengthen his force, neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow, and he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself. Neither shall he that rideth upon the horse deliver himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked. In that day, saith the Lord. Hear. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when there is no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? Publish in the palaces at Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria. And behold the great tumults in the midst thereof and the oppressed in the midst thereof. For they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, an adversary there shall be even round about the land, and he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy palaces shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd 
taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. So shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. Hear ye and testify in the house of Jacob, saith the Lord God, the God of hosts, that in the day that I shall visit the transgressions of Israel, upon him I will also visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. And I will smite the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall have an end, saith the Lord. Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord God hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the days shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her. And ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. And proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. If you didn't catch it, he's mocking them. He's referring to them as the kind, the cows of Bashan. Actually, these, the part here is referring to women and transfers to all of them. He's mocking them in their religious superiority. Amos 4, 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. Do you know why they're clean? For want of bread... And all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. From verses 6 through the end of this chapter, Amos is going to review previous judgments that God has brought upon his people to get their attention. And it's repeated over and over that they have not returned. 
Verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain on another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased and the palmer word devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses, and have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet, Ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and created the wind and declared unto man what is his thought that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. You see, the people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. That's why he cited the lion, the trumpet blowing in the city. They wouldn't hear. They could care less what Amos said. And so as we go into chapter 5, yet either a continuation of the same sermon or a new sermon, Amos pleads with the people to seek God. Just to understand the theme of this, if you have a pen or a pencil, take it out. And as we come across the word seek, underline it. The chapter is filled with a plea to the people to seek God, to seek good. But alas, they do not. Hear ye the word which I have taken up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. 
She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to rise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred. And that which went forth by an hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgments to wormwood, and leave off righteousness in the earth. Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion and turneth the shadow of death into the morning and maketh the day dark with night that calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and ye have taken him from burdens of wheat, ye have built houses of hewn stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink the wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe. They turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silent in that time. For it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Jacob, of Joseph. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, saith thus, Wailing shall be in the streets, and they shall say in all the highways, 
Alas! Alas! They shall call the husbandmen to mourning, and such as are skillful of lamentation, to wailing. And in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord! To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Just a note of commentary here. The day of the Lord has already been introduced to these people. They've already heard about it. They know the concept of the day of the Lord, and they have an accurate but yet inaccurate perspective of it. That the day of the Lord is a day of judgment upon wickedness and the deliverance of Israel. Indeed true. Their problem is they don't see themselves as the wicked ones. And so they boast of the day of the Lord without realizing that the day of the Lord for the wicked will be judgment. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. And if a man did flee from a lion and a bear meet him, or went into the house and leaned upon his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? I hate... I despise your feast days and will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Therefore, ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offering of your, fe- your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Molech and chion your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Therefore, will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Indeed, in this day, their dread, their fear, their terror was of Syria, capital city Damascus. Assyria at this time is just beginning to rise in prominence. This is a prophecy of the future Assyrian captivity. A captivity beyond Damascus. They were afraid of Syria and Damascus. 
God says, oh, to be beyond that. Chapter 6. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Kolna and see. And from thence go ye to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms? Or their border greater than your border? Ye that put away the evil day and cause the seat of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. That's veal. That's like the most expensive beef you can get, the baby cow. That chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David. That drink wine in bowls, not just cups, bowls full. And they anoint themselves with the chief ointments. But they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore now shall they go captive with the first that go captive, and the banquet of them that stretcheth themselves shall be removed. The Lord God hath sworn by himself, saith the Lord, the God of hosts, I abhor the excellency of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore will I deliver up the city with all that is therein. And it shall come to pass, if there remain ten men in one house, that they shall die. And a man's uncle shall take him up, and he that burneth him to bring out the bones out of the house, and shall say unto him that is by the sides of the house, Is there yet any with thee? And he shall say, No. Then shall he say, Hold thy tongue, for we may not make mention of the name of the Lord. For behold, the Lord commandeth, and he will smite the great house with breaches, and little house with clefts. Shall horses run upon the rock? Will one plow there with oxen? For ye have turned judgment into gall, and the fruit of righteousness into hemlock. Ye which rejoice in a thing of naught, which say, Have we not taken to us horns by our own strength? But behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel, saith the Lord God of hosts. And they shall afflict you from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of the wilderness. Thus hath the Lord God shown unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. And lo, it was later growth after the king's mowings. And it came to pass when they had made an end of eating the grass of the land, we don't comprehend this. This is the start of famine, the grasshopper eating all that's in the field, eating it all. And here now, Amos has seen this vision, and he's sharing it, and he's this vision of these grasshoppers eating everything. And Amos, middle of verse 2, Then I said, O Lord God, forgive 
I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord repented for this, and it shall not be, saith the Lord. Thus hath the Lord God shown unto me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep and did eat up a part. Then said I, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord Repented for this, and also shall not be, saith the Lord God. Thus he showed unto me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with the plumb line in his hand. And the Lord saith unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. The plumb line. May I take a break from the reading and share a little of the significance of this vision? Do you all know what a plumb line is? A plumb line was used to make sure that these bricks here were built straight, that the wall was going up straight. God's saying that the people, the nation, is kind of like a wall. And he's going to set a plumb line to it. Is the law, is the wall, is it straight? Well, these guys did a pretty good job. See the plumb line hangs down? Each of the bricks, the same distance from that line all the way down. How many of you ever built a wall with bricks? few of you. The only tears that says she has. Well, we maybe haven't built, built a wall like this, but I imagine all of us as little kids built block walls, right? Did you ever build a wall and as it was going, you found that it was kind of going like this? And it started off ever so slightly at the bottom, but then as it got taller and taller, it was like this. You see what's going on is that the nation of Israel and the people in Israel are building their lives 
are building their nation just as a mason would build a wall. But they're building it with a false plumb line. Their definition of what's straight, their definition of what's true, their definition of what is righteous and just is not straight like the plumb line is straight. It's all crooked. It's all messed up. The walls are so bad that when God comes and sets his plumb line against that wall, it reveals the crookedness of it. It reveals the wickedness of it. And the plumb line judges the wall to declare that the wall needs to be torn down. The line, both the plumb line and the line tied to the cornerstone, is used in Isaiah and in Lamentations and other places as a mark of judgment, as a mark of revealing what is wrong, what is wicked, what is evil, and then left as a witness to the judgment, and in this case of Israel, the destruction of that nation. You see, the nation of Israel built their lives, their society, their all, without a true plumb line. When the prophets came along to hold up a plumb line to their lives, what did they say? Be quiet. We will not hear you. They didn't want the truth of the plumb line to judge them. They refused to allow it. And now the Lord himself in a vision to Amos, stands upon a wall holding the plumb line and says, I leave it here. I leave it here as a sign of judgment upon this nation. The judgment shall come. That was a vivid illustration to the nation of Israel. May I draw an application? As we are building the walls of our lives, we are building our houses, our families. By what standard do we do so? Do we just wing it? Through life, just do as everyone around us does. Handle money the way everyone around us handles. Dress the way everyone around us dresses. Watch what everyone around us watches. Read what everyone around us reads. Live how everyone around us lives? Or do we acknowledge the plumb line, the truth? In the days of Amos, it was the prophets. This is our plumb line. Do we build our lives as one builds a wall, keeping it straight, level, in line with the authority of God's word. Is God's word our plumb line? The plumb line was a sign of truth, which, when there was untruth and crookedness, corruption, 
Isaiah actually speaks in one point of a, a confused plumb line. I don't even know how you would have a confused plumb line. I don't know. Mr. Carnes, I'm going to ask you about that. How would you have a confused plumb line? Well, people had confused plumb lines. Let us not have confused plumb lines. But seek God. Well, as soon as Amos has thus spoken, the priest at Bethel speaks up. Mind you, this is not a godly priest. This is the priest of one of the golden calves. Amaziah. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. Amaziah has reported Amos as a traitor, guilty of treason against Jeroboam. There is no record of any reply from Jeroboam because Amaziah didn't wait for a reply. For, Amaz, for, for he, tells, he tells him, King Jeroboam, thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword and Israel shall be led away captive out of their own land. Amaziah got the message and he didn't like it. So he takes this letter and sends it off to Jeroboam. And apparently even before he received the lie, it tells us a reply. It tells us in verse 12, Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, which is another name for a prophet, O thou seer, go! Flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Get out of here. Then answered Amos and saith unto Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son. But I was an herdman and a gatherer of the sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of, Israel, of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land. And Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his 
land. Thus hath the Lord God shown unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end has come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit? that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall not the land tremble for this? And every one mourn that dwelleth therein, and it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day, and I will turn thy feasts into mourning and all their songs into lamentations. I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and boldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only son, and the end thereof is a bitter day. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. For they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria, and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise up again. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door that the posts may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them, and I will slay the last of them with the sword. He that fleeth of them shall not flee away, and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, then shall mine hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent and he shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. And the Lord God of hosts is he that toucheth the land, and it shall melt, and all that dwelleth therein shall mourn, and it shall rise up holy like a flood, and shall be drowned as by the flood of Egypt. It is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven, and hath founded his troop in the earth. He that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. 
Are ye not as children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, saith the Lord? Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kephar, and the Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. Oh, something just now happened. Did you catch it? We've been reading, oh, our ears are tingling with horror and dread at what we've been reading. But just now was a shift. So often in this church, I'm afraid, so many of you take for granted the promises made to, to, to Abraham and the eternal reality of them. Just recently, I found a commentary on Amos they had a commentary all through until it got to this verse and all the commentary just stopped. Declared the rest of this to be added by an editor. Ooh, I wanted to throw the book across the room. For the whole book of Amos is pointless in some ways without what's left. I mean, imagine if I just stopped where I stopped. You could certainly understand that Israel has no right of existence, that God has no plan, no future for Israel. In fact, you could perceive God as a God of no mercy, no compassion, one who breaks his promises and crushes people and loves to do it. But that isn't so. For the whole purpose of Amos, the line to show them their sin, to warn them of judgment. Seek the Lord, he said, and live. There is hope in the Lord. And even though so many, even those who sought the Lord got carried away captive, going fast forward even to a famous one you know of in Judah, which took place actually in 586 B.C., sometime after 722, Daniel, Azariah, Mishael, Hananiah. These godly young men were carried away captives in judgment. But yet they lived. They sought God. Saul so of this is a cry, a plea to the people to see God, and he takes all of this after speaking of all of this horror. Don't check out. Right now is the most important part of Amos' sermon. Listen up. Not all of what's been prophesied here has even yet been fulfilled especially what's about to come, has in no way been fulfilled. Or in its, I should not say in no way, it's partial little, little ways it's been fulfilled, but it hadn't been fulfilled. And so that's why we look yet future for it to be fulfilled. Look what he says here. All of this destruction. Behold, the, verse 9, verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations like as the corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword which say the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle 
of David that is fallen. Here he's making a prophecy of it falling, and he's making a prophecy of it being raised up. Just so you know, the kingdom, the tabernacle of David, once it fell, did not rise up yet. I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Behold, the days came, cometh, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. That means there's so much to reap that they haven't collected all that is to reap before it's time to plant new. And the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. And they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land. Others I've read say, ah, yes, this happened in the days of Nehemiah, of Ezra. This is what happened. What well, did it? Well, kind of. But I didn't finish the prophecy. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled out, up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. That will happen. Oh, I want to keep preaching, but I think Amos has done a pretty good job of it. May I simply recap by bringing your attention back to chapter 5 and verse 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, you know, may I by extension apply this to all of us too? It is to Israel. But this invitation is to all of us. Seek ye me, and ye shall live. To give you the fullest, greatest picture of all of this, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, became one of us, lived a perfect and sinless life, and then gave his life on Calvary to die for all of our sins. In fact, for all of the putrid sins we just read about and all of the putrid sins in our own lives, whether known or hidden, he died for it all. All we have but do is come to him in faith, believing on him and trusting him to save us and to forgive us. 
and then go forth in life, rejoicing in that grace, not in our former lusts, but as we seek him. He will give us abundant life. That abundant sometimes has different meanings in different times. But it doesn't. It is abundant in the fact that it is the life of Christ, Christ himself living in us, giving us the strength that we need. Sometimes that may also result in a life of prosperity. Sometimes that may also result in a life of persecution and oppression. The one who is persecuted and oppressed is living the can live the abundant life just as much as the one who is living in prosperity. But you don't want to know a sad reality? So often we live in prosperity and in so much prosperity that we miss the abundant life. In our prosperity, we forget the one who gives us life. We forget to seek him because we got it all in line in our prosperity. Oh, may God not tear us from our prosperity to bring us here, but if he does, may we seek him. Seek him. Seek him and live. And don't forget that life is more than just the few decades, the vapor of life on earth. For it is live for all eternity. Seek God. Know him. And if the Holy Spirit this morning has held up a plumb line to your heart and revealed a crooked wall in any way, humble yourself under his mighty hand, acknowledging his truth, and let him build your life straight in righteousness and in truth. Let him, let him build your life. Seek him. Great God, we come to you thankful, grateful, overwhelming, with an awe of your righteousness, of your justice, and also of your mercy, your loving kindness, your truth your faithfulness, you the one who will not break promises. So often we fail. So often we knock our wall out of line. Our life is all messed up. Lord, even us who have been redeemed, we humble ourselves. May you humble us that in due time you can lift us up. May we acknowledge our sin, confess it, and find forgiveness, and move forth seeking you. Wake us up, dear God, from our apathy, from our culture. May we seek you in all. May we be here that you do roar as a lion. 
May we be as Amos, the one who goes forth proclaiming your truth, proclaiming and warning of judgment to come, while at the same time proclaiming and declaring what you have done in your amazing grace and love for us to forgive us, to save us, to deliver us from judgment, and to fill us with your spirit and your life that we might live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. And may each day we always be looking unto you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our hope. We look to you and the day of blessed hope when you come back. Oh, what a day that will be. May we not turn away our gaze and our focus from you, but look to you each moment of every single day. And may, Lord God, you glorify yourself in us. We pray in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Alpha and the Omega, the I Am. Amen.